Welcome to the Indisposable Podcast, produced by Upstream and supported this season by Patagonia. I'm your host, Brooking Gatewood. Thanks for joining for another episode celebrating solutions to plastic pollution. Welcome back, everybody. I'm speaking today with Shilpi Chotre, who has worn a number of different hats in her career when it comes to plastic pollution solutions. Shilpi has a decade of experience in ocean advocacy and conservation policy, including with Mission Blue, the Sylvia Earle Alliance, and most recently as a senior communications officer for Break Free from Plastic. Her role there is both global and U.S. in focus as she helps build connections and aligned communications for hundreds of organizations across the globe. And somehow, in addition to her work as a full-time Blue Planet advocate, Shilpi has found time to found a company called Samudra Skin and Sea, which is an ocean-inspired skincare line featuring wild-harvested local seaweed. Through Samudra, she brings ocean issues to everyday consumers and encourages other brands to make zero waste a social responsibility focus. So today we're going to be talking to Shilpi mostly about her business, though of course I'm sure we'll dip in here and there to break free from plastic, which is also a relevant part of her life for what we do here on this podcast. So Shilpi, thank you so much for making the time to speak with us. Thanks, Brooking. I'm so excited to be here with you. Yeah, me too. So let's talk a little bit about Samudra. So what's the story of, of the founding of this company and why did you decide to take this on in addition to everything else on your plate? <laughs> Yeah, well, it was multiple interests of mine converging around the same time, with a major piece of it being around creating a more sustainable, zero-waste lifestyle brand by using honest plant-based ingredients um, and clean ingredients, for that matter. And the star of our show is wild local seaweed that's hand-harvested up north in, in Mendocino, California. So you might be wondering, like, why seaweed, right? <laughs> Yeah, definitely on my question list. So tell us about, yeah. <laughs> about the seaweed part of the story. Well, first it stems from my love and fascination of the rocky intertidal ecosystem, which I um, luckily got to study in graduate school and had a couple professional projects around that after, after my educational career. And it's also incredibly nourishing for our bodies and skin. So kombu, the type of seaweed we use, is one of the most nutrient-rich plants on Earth. And to take it back to plastic, when I started thinking about the line in 2015, it was also around the same time when a lot of groups, um, including groups that are part of Break Free, were campaigning around microbeads and personal care products like um, Five Gyre, Story of Stuff Project, and I thought it would be really cool to be part of the solution from more of an entrepreneurial perspective. Interesting. So tell us a little more about what the Samudra products do to address those issues. Sure. So, you know, I've read a lot of scary plastic stats, as I know you have been inundated with too, Brooking. Like 1 billion plastic bottles are produced every minute you know, only 9% of all plastic ever made has been recycled since the 1950s. And to take it back to the source, plastic production is slated to increase by 40% in the next decade. So I wanted to dig a little bit deeper and find out what the stats were for personal care. And it's really not pretty. And I, I promise this is going to be the last stat. Um, 552 million plastic shampoo bottles are discarded annually in the U.S. And a lot of times consumers are thinking that when they put the 
discarded shampoo bottle or conditioner or shaving cream or whatever in the recycling bin, it's being turned into something else. But we know, you know, through our work with Break Free from Plastic, that this is often ending up on the other side of the world, you know, being a burden of another community, ending up the in the ocean, being a burden to marine life, or ending up in the in the landfill and affecting our wildlife on land. My head is still with 9%. That, I mean, I, I do hear these statistics a lot, and I occasionally get dumbfounded all over again. But nine percent—that's wild. It's wild, and it's—it's. It's, it can feel very helpless, right? Because a lot of people are busy, and they trust that companies producing these products are doing the right thing by putting the recycling index on the the bottom of the packaging. And there's an element of trust that's being eroded by these multi-billion dollar corporations that are marketing these products. You know, to take it back to our products, we do have a sea soap, which is for hair and body and face wash and shaving cream. It's everything. It's like a one-stop shop. So products like a sea soap, it doesn't have to be the Samudra sea soap. It could be anything that challenges this future where we are inundated with plastics trash. And we are, you know, making a strong signal to both corporations and consumers saying a better world is possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you also, I mean, just by using a bar of soap rather than a bottle, you minimize a lot of packaging, but you've also done some interesting things with the packaging you do have to use to get some of your products out there. Tell us a little bit about the the journey of trying to find <laughs> sustainable packaging. Yeah, it definitely was a journey. I think for our team, it was around an eighth month, eight month process and it's not even perfect, you know, but we wanted to create something that was going to be aesthetically beautiful for our brand. We never want to compromise, compromise, um, what draws people to the shelf and, and pick our product over someone else's, for instance. Um, and, and so we decided to go the route of glass and bamboo lids and our boxes are compostable and certified by the Forest Stewardship Council. Um, and they're also recyclable if that's available in your municipality. And the reason we went the extra mile to make sure this was certified is because we don't want to deplete another natural resource by going with paper. Uh, you know, so that was that was really important for us. Yeah, something people don't always think about, but has come up on a number of our episodes that replacing one disposable option with another is not always ideal. So tell us about how you use Samudra to raise awareness. I know that you've had a professional life doing communications and advocacy work with nonprofits that are focused on ocean and related issues. And then now you have this company, which is a totally different market. And um, I'd love to hear some of the stories of how you're reaching new audiences through Samudra's followers. Cool. I love this question, Brooking. Um, yes, we are all about reaching new audiences. And something I've learned from being in the nonprofit world for the last you know, few years of my life <laughs> is that we, we tend to talk in the same circles. Um, what I love about my role in Break Free from Plastic is, is actually part of what I'm responsible for is to mainstream the, the zero waste lifestyle model and, and really communicate that this is possible. So I'm able to learn a lot from the Samudra community, which is not your typical activist community. And really pay attention how they're responding to our outreach with various plastic pollution messaging and, and other ocean conservation awareness campaigns. So we, we don't just focus on plastic, um, but apply those lessons learned to break free 
in order to reach new communities in those networks as well. And one example is a collaboration I did in the Bay Area last fall with Ipsy, which is a massive beauty platform reaching 3 million, 3 million subscribers on the regular. Um, and they somehow found out about us through um, our network of entrepreneurial women here in the Bay Area and, and asked us to join an event with four other up-and-coming Bay Area beauty brands. And to be quite honest, I didn't know what Ipsy was, which is a little bit embarrassing given this is the space I've chosen to create a business in. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I had to do some research and, and brought it to my team and, and they were all over it. Like it was, it would have been a huge missed opportunity. But at the same time, we have a pretty strict policy on the types of events we do. And we emphasize working with small businesses with an even bigger focus on minority and women-owned businesses because that's where I come from. Um, and also encouraging zero waste protocol at, at all sorts of events that we do. But I also knew, you know, this was a really cool, cool culture hacking opportunity given Ipsy was inviting 50 influencers in the beauty world to attend a spin class and then network with these five brands, Samudra included. So when I asked what the, the setup was for... Um, the water situation, because, you know, if you've got 50 people on bikes, there's got to be some sort of hydration element. Um, they mentioned that it would be plastic single-use cups, which was obviously a massive mission disconnect for us. Um, and I said, listen, I have a network of these amazing um, colleagues that can make this event zero waste. Like, would you be interested in it? And you know, they were really, really open to the idea. So I tapped into the Blue Business Council, which is a network of socially responsible brands working in California. Samudra is one, Clean Canteen is another. Um, Clean Canteen immediately jumped at the opportunity to provide 50 reusable water bottles for the event. And what we found was this amazing collaboration between you know, the Ipsy influencers, the clean canteen water bottles, you know, having Samudra in the mix, having Blue Business Council, you know, help with some of the messaging around plastic pollution. And of course, my knowledge of uh, plastic pollution from Break Free from Plastic. And what we had was, you know, these women which had um, anywhere from 2000, so like micro influencers to upwards of a million followers on Instagram posing with their reusable water bottles and providing plastic pollution stats. And it was this wow, incredible nice. culture hacking moment where like they were making plastic pollution passe and, you know, and making reusable sexy through, through their networks mm -hmm. and channels. So, um, I, we found that to be an, an event that not only brought us an immense surgence of new followers and deepened relationships within the Bay Area Beauty Network, which is, you know, not where I come from. Um, but also we were able to really extend and expand our social mission through these great collaborations like the Blue Business Council. And, and Clean Canteen were also really excited because they had tapped into a new influencer network that were reaching new audiences as well. Yeah, that's amazing. I love those sorts of stories where we find these creative ways to bring this topic to audiences that were just less aware and less connected. As you said, use your network to help connect them with some zero waste groups. And then all of a sudden you have a, a, a millions, perhaps more new champions. Yeah, exactly. Um, the power of social media. It's amazing. 
So how has your role with Break Free from Plastic affected how you think about what you're doing with Samudra? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Break Free from Plastic is always pushing the envelope on how we relate to plastic. And it certainly has had huge impacts on the way we operate at Samudra too. It, it was probably one of my international trips overseas to the Philippines when I met up with a bunch of our colleagues in Manila for the first first ever brand audit, which was pioneered by the Mother Earth Foundation and Gaia and um, Greenpeace Philippines was also involved. And we went to a critical habitat for migratory birds for this brand audit, which in your mind, you're thinking, wow, this like beautiful, serene environment, maybe I'll do some bird watching, like I'll bring my binoculars. But no, like this entire environment was so plasticized. Um, if you were to take a shovel, for instance, and stick it into the soil, you, you would just have layers and layers and layers of plastic, like deep into the earth. And we were there for the brand audit. And I don't know if your listeners know, uh, but the brand audit is essentially taking coastal cleanup a step further. So we're not only looking at the type of plastic in the waste stream, but the brand's responsible. And what we found was that most of this plastic pollution was not recyclable. Um, it was coming from the global north. And then it was burdening these communities in this beautiful area that's meant for, you know, endangered bird species. So that experience was was really humbling and really powerful. And I brought it back to my team for Samudra and it got us thinking around, okay, how do we take our brand a step further in terms of, you know, reusing the packaging in the first place. And so even though we don't use plastic, right, it's like glass and bamboo, we wanted to take the sustainability up another level. How do we make it so there's there's no throwaway at all? The beautiful part about glass is it's 100% recyclable and can be recycled endlessly without loss in quality, unless, of course, it breaks. So we want to take a circular economy approach that functions like a natural ecosystem where nothing is wasted. And so with refill, you know, there there would be a carbon footprint impact, which I need to look into. And I want to get a researcher on that uh, because we are an e-commerce business, right? So if our consumers are shipping back the products for refill, what does the footprint look like and what costs are absorbed then by the consumer or by Samudra and how does that affect our price points? So there's a lot of things we need to consider, um, but we we want to make sure once we know it's no longer reusable, we know it's getting turned into something else. But in the meantime, at least you're using this product over and over and over again. Um, what we we're cognizant about in making our formulas is that less is more. And uh, we are creating all of our four products with an intention to last. So a lot of times beauty brands will create products that will only last, you know, anywhere from a couple weeks to a month because they want you to have that conversion cycle where you're buying it over and over again. Uh, but our clay mask, for instance, it can be used up to 30 times. So, you know, we, of course, we have to look at it in terms of 
profit and loss. But one of our goals was to create products that you don't have to turn over so much, which also means when you do refill, you know, the, the consumer is not having to ship it back a ton of times, um, maybe just a couple times a year. And so as you mentioned, it's sort of a, a dream and not an easy goal to try to create a refill model business in a society that doesn't really have a lot of infrastructure for that yet. Um, what are some of the other challenges that you've found running a values-aligned business in American culture right now? That's a great question. Well, because we don't just look at profit and loss and we're really looking at the impact of our campaigns, the, the tracking can be difficult. Um, we are a really, really small team, so we don't have all the mechanisms in place to to track this impact, per se, at the level we want. Um, one example I can give you is on a, on a mini Instagram campaign that took off that wasn't even <laughs> our intention. So um, Eli Roth, who's an actor and activist, I don't know if you are aware of him. He's fabulous. He's, he's pretty popular in the oceans world um, because he is passionate about sharks and shark conservation. So he's uh, bringing the intention of squalene oil to diverse audiences through a film that's coming out later this year. Um, and if you don't know what squalene oil is, it's derived from the liver of deep sea sharks. And unfortunately, shark squalene oil is used in many cosmetic products for its moisturizing benefits, even though there are countless plant-based ingredients with similar properties, uh, very much like seaweed. So his team reached out to us about initiating some sort of partnership on this issue, given we do use plant-based ingredients. They're working just fine for us. And, and also because we have such a strong social mission. And we tested this out on our Instagram channel by sharing, you know, just a beautiful photo of sharks and communicating this message around their decline due to cosmetics while highlighting an article on the topic from National Geographic and also pointing to an ongoing campaign from Oceana on problematic labeling around squalene. And our community was super angry and upset that this was happening. I mean, they almost felt like they were bamboozled because of this problematic labeling. And they took it on themselves to start tagging major companies under Unilever to hold them accountable. Um, not to mention Unilever is a major target of break free on the plastic pollution side of things. So I loved seeing that. But, you know, to bring it back to your question, this is what I mean about impact and how we like to measure our, our growth, because we see something like this as a huge success. Mm -hmm. um, but we also need to figure out how capturing this in a more strategic lens is is actually benefiting our our bottom line. Right. Because at the end of the day, we are a for-profit, socially-driven brand. Mm -hmm. So that's been a challenge. Yeah, I'm curious on that note, how do you relate to growth as a business and to even this idea of creating regenerative products, which is a really unusual way of thinking with a sort of classic MBA hat on. Mm -hmm. um, so so how is your, your approach about what a successful business is different than the average that we learn in grad school at least? Yeah, well, I don't have an MBA, so there I'm, you go. That's I'm the answer. answering this <laughs> as an ocean conservation freak. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, going back to the regenerative 
products and how we define that, we have been inspired by the regenerative properties of wild seaweed. So when seaweed is harvested sustainably by hand, especially, it can grow up to two feet a day in ideal conditions. And we wanted to apply this concept to our entire business model. Um, Nature knows best, right? So we are integrating the regeneration of people, of community and nature into all aspects of our business. And we are a small part of a larger ecosystem made up of other entrepreneurs um, that are invested and committed to getting off of plastic products and shifting the mindset that reusable products with clean ingredients is the new normal. Um, And for sure, there's, you know, there's a growing population that is committed to values-based purchasing. So we are fulfilling this niche by providing a business case for it. Um, There's a bigger and bigger consumer segment participating in zero-waste products in small businesses and, and supporting them. So I think I mentioned this before, but we are looking at growth in terms of our profit margins and also how we're impacting our community through education and awareness building around plastic alternatives um, while engaging through social media campaigns that can cause bigger ripple effects. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to share about lessons you've learned about running a business that might be interesting for others in the audience that have ideas in their heads about businesses that could help contribute to a reuse economy? Yeah, you know, I think that there's a lot, a lot, a lot of opportunity right now. And it's finding your niche and figuring out, you know, where you can plug in because there is an audience that's ripe to engage on making plastic, like the new smoking, for instance. Mm-hmm. There was a great mm-hmm. stylist magazine cover um, that that talked about this. And stylist is like the equivalent of glamour or vogue in the UK. You know, the fact that it was a focus of a <laughs> magazine like Stylist, it just shows that the world is ready for solutions and, and impact entrepreneurs can really um, make a dent in the solutions piece. Yeah, it is. It is exciting. You know, and I guess that relates to my last question, Shilpi, which is you have a day job, as we've <laughs> mentioned, and somehow you do this on the side. So how do you do it? And how do you stay balanced keeping these two huge endeavors going at the same time? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm getting exhausted just thinking about it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we've brought in new voices to our team since I started this role in 2017, um, which is great because we were never meant to be a one-woman show. I still spend a lot of nights and weekends working on Samudra, but you know I'm no longer the head of sales and strategy and marketing and communications. Um, right now, my commitment in terms of time is to break free from plastic. It's it's where I feel like I need to be. Um, but Samudra will always be my baby, so I'm excited to watch her grow. It's it's sort of happening organically. The beauty of having an e-commerce business is to be successful, you have to be super organized. And it's all automated. So once you have that structure set up, um, mm-hmm. you know you still need a, the the right team to make it all happen. But but a lot of the process is is actually um, taken care of. So uh, you know, huge nod to our our team. We're we're small but mighty to our ambassadors um, and to our our really loyal community that is making us um, into more than just 
just a side hustle. You know, there's a lot of other people invested in it than just me. Mm -hmm. So I'm truly, truly grateful for that. Awesome. So how can people find out more about your products after listening to this episode? I imagine a few people will be curious to check them out. Cool. Yeah, we have a online shop, as I mentioned. So it's samudraskinc.com. And we are in about 25 shops across the country. So we're pretty picky about where we house our products. And, and most of these, not surprisingly, are, are in the Bay Area since that's where I'm located. Awesome. Well, Shelby, you're uh, pretty impressive in, in my book for all you do, both within the movement <laughs> and with this business and creating beautiful products and opening the eyes of a whole new audience to the possibility of more sustainable and regenerative, as you said, choices in what we do to take care of our skin and our bodies and all those basic things that we do need in life, but having them in a way less wasteful way. So thanks for everything you do and for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you so much, Brooking. I feel the exact same about you. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. And that's our show. If you like what you're hearing, help spread the word. Subscribe to the Indisposable Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Add a review, talk us up, try our five friend challenge. Share some highlights from today's show with a handful of people in your life who could use an uplift. Nobody spreads a message like you. The Indisposable Podcast is brought to you by Upstream, sparking innovative solutions to plastic pollution, envisioning a world without it, and empowering businesses, communities, and individuals to imagine and co-create this future with us. You can find resources mentioned on today's episode as well as learn more about Upstream's work at www.upstreamsolutions.org. Follow us on social, support us on Patreon, and join the movement. There's a better way than throwaway.